Welcome to Resilient Forward, a podcast created by Bagay Group to educate the public and promote solutions to Florida's most challenging environmental issues. I'm your host, Irela Bagay. I've been a longtime advocate of the environment and the economy. I invite you to join me as we showcase resilient solutions, feature innovative strategies, products, and services from prominent members of the business community, including industry leaders, advocates, and elected officials all engaged in developing and implementing resilient solutions in their community. So welcome to Resilient Forward, and we are on location on Miami Beach at the Four Seasons Surf Club. And why are we here? We're here to talk about green building and LEED certification. I'm so excited to be sitting here with Heather Appel from SQL Systems. They are sustainability consultants that helped the Four Seasons Surf Club go LEED certified, LEED Silver, I believe. Correct. So welcome, Heather. How Thank are you? you? Thanks so much for having me and welcome to our, one of our beautiful projects, luxurious projects. Well, thank you. I mean, luxurious to say the least. I mean, it is the Four Seasons and the view can't be better. It is rather hot in Miami Beach. Um, it is summer, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but nevertheless, um, it's a gorgeous location. And the interesting aspect about this particular um, venue or location or building is that there is a historical aspect to the surf club because it was opened New Year's Eve 1930. Right. And so we're going to talk a little bit about how do you incorporate historic um, structures into LEED certified um, buildings. Definitely. So talk to me about um, a little bit about how you all got into sustainability consulting and why you felt it was important. Sure. So SQL in general, we started in 2002 and it was predominantly commissioning services that we provided and then it went into energy modeling and it was really based on our services were reliant on the demand and what was requested and sustainability services lead services consulting were requested so basically you're so, helping um, clients or buildings or developers um, find energy efficiencies and any anything right. that they can incorporate into their building right. to lower their carbon footprint in order to get LEED certified. Exactly. Okay. So we help on all angles of sustainability. Um, I myself have been with SQL Systems for 10 years and we've worked on hundreds of, of all types of sustainability projects, predominantly LEED. Right. And um, that's how essentially we've where we began and we keep growing and we keep adding more uh, services. And you know, um, it's curious because you started 10 years ago and now I think there is a big demand, yeah. you know, the, and, and talk to me about, you know, some of your clients, obviously developers, um, they seek you out because you obviously have this experience right. and also that it is a return on their investment, right? There um, is a payback for being a LEED certified building. Definitely. Um, a lot of our clients are developers. We also have municipality um, clients. We have schools. I mean, there is more of an ROI, a return on investment for those who own and manage their, their properties. Um, but even for developers, we, I mean, you know, everyone's always so concerned about initial cost, but we really don't add that much cost. We show the value in terms of selecting windows. You know, sometimes you don't need insulated. 
windows, you can provide, you can have um, non-insulated and that will reduce your cost. And um, we show that there's give and take throughout the right. process so long as especially, especially once we are integrated into the process as early as possible. Because if we're, if we start on a project in its conception and schematic design, we provide a lot more value to the project. And you know, consumers are getting much more interested in selecting places and, and buildings that are energy efficient, that are resilient right. to storm. And you know, we're in South Florida, obviously, so we have to build a little stronger, obviously, for hurricanes, right. um, which I'm very proud of, yes, that we, we do have that in our building codes yeah. here. And um, we, we serve as a model. So you also incorporate that. And does LEED provide um, points for that? Um, in terms of resiliency, mm -hmm. there's pilot credits. Mm -hmm. So the beauty of LEED is there's the structured prerequisites and credits. But then my favorite category is the innovation credits, right. where there you have five options. And, you know, you, of course, you can add more to it. Um, but you can focus on credits related to resiliency and wellness and social equity and so many other different kinds of credits that aren't completely embedded within LEED. But yeah, the hurricane codes, those do, those do help towards resiliency. There's obviously more more than just being resilient with hurricanes. <laughs> no, obviously. And, yes. and, and you know, we do have the, the, um, the issue with adapting to sea level rise and, right. and, and climate change. And mm -hmm. do you find that, and particularly with this building um, or, or other clients, do, do you see that's uh, becoming now more important? for um, some of your clients, developing some resiliency measures with regards to the future, right. the future flooding right. and, and so forth. Yeah, definitely. Um, we, especially when we're involved early on, we always focus on the base flood elevation and how to respond to the base flood elevation that kind of goes beyond the FEMA maps. Right. How's your programming going to work with your, your design? Um, what kind of occupiable spaces will be on the lower levels versus the higher levels. Uh, for instance, with this project, the Surf Club, everything is pretty, I don't know if you noticed, but the entrance, everything is raised. Yes. And if you had a chance to um, look towards the, the beach, there's a significant amount of, of vegetated depth. Right. That, there's kind of like a dune approach to... Right to the beach. Yeah. Right. And, and that all helps. Of course it helps. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, fortunately you're in a city that's very progressive and right. has implemented right. certain building um, code changes right. to address these issues. So, um, you know, I'm like, again, I'm, I'm enjoying this beautiful view. <laughs> I'm like a little distracted, but, <laughs> but with regards to, you know, lowering the carbon, carbon footprint, you know, we know that buildings and concrete and, and what goes into structures, they are pretty much one of the biggest emitters of right, carbon. Right. Um, talk to me about some of the elements or measures or things that you have done or incorporated into your projects or this one um, to mitigate some of that. So it's the cement production that really causes a lot of carbon emissions, about at least, as you were saying, at least 5% of the total global emissions. Right. And explain um, that a little bit. How does, how does cement, because I, I, people don't understand like how cement can portion <laughs> of, of raw concrete. Exactly. Um, so it's the it's the actual production and the breakdown of limestone. Right. 
And so it goes from the mining, from the mining level of mining the lime, lime rock, right, all the way to turning it into cement, right. So all those steps that go into right. that element of so the manufacturing of the actual cement and concrete, that is what causes so much um, carbon emissions, right. But there's also other factors in reducing the amount of, of carbon. For instance, the demolition of concrete, that actually is a process that removes the carbon because what happens is the concrete then soaks in all that carbon dioxide. Something that we do encourage, so, you know, obviously where we are, there's so much concrete. There's right. a lot of... <laughs> Tell me about it. And, more, our, and more to come. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a very good product in our, um, in our um, climate. I mean, it, it, it's, it is a pretty resilient material. So it's hard to not encourage our, our, our project teams to use concrete. No, I mean, um, unless there's something else. Right. You know, this is, it's, and it's readily available. Yeah, so what we do encourage, there's weight. So for LEED, they actually, there's a credit that you can either purchase green power or carbon offsets. So we encourage our project teams to go the route of carbon offsets, which actually is a, it's a very cost-effective um, credit. And that um, goes into, for instance, landfill gas capture and, and reforestation and renewable energy. So basically, there are there are companies out there yes. that are, or you know, that are creating carbon offsets. Right. For example, farms and tree planting elsewhere. And so basically, right. what what it is is, if you can't mitigate on site, you buy credits yeah. from someone else who right. is and you're reinvesting in that particular business. Right. And so it's it's an offset. That's it's, it's, not, right. It, it, as, 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 the word, as, as the word explains itself. Right. So that's an easy way. Mm -hmm. um, another option, which uh, it's, it's a paint, actually. Paint? A paint. It, there's a paint called um, Graffin Stone, hmm. which is lime-based. And it's actually used in all in all the countries but ours right now. Our client actually just introduced it to us for one of our projects in Miami. And he has a lot of interest in it because he used it on another project out of the country. And why is it not being used here? It just, it's now starting. Oh, think, okay. So but not because, not, not because of it's not certified or anything. It's, no, no, no. It's actually... It's a, just a new thing that... Oh, interesting. Yes, so it's, so it's, it's very popular everywhere else except here. I, wouldn't, I don't know how popular it is, <laughs> but at least it's used elsewhere that it's now starting to get introduced into our country. Okay. And um, it has very low, low VOCs, right. incredibly natural, really, and it's lime-based. Lime-based. So what it does is it... Ca it it captures the carbon dioxide the, surrounding. The emissions around it? Yes. No kidding. It's like a yes. sponge. Like it's, a, it's sponge paint. Right. So <laughs> three 15-liter cans of graphene stone can absorb around five kilograms of, of carbon dioxide, which is... That's amazing. The same like, as an adult tree during a Like year. we need to put this on every shelf in Home Depot. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, cool. And it's a very sustainable product. You know, I, <laughs> I'm not trying to sell this product, but there's, I think but, there's, but, there's but materials this is why, like this. But this is precisely why we started this podcast, right. to find solutions to right. our climate challenges. Right. And so here we have, you know, just in conversation, we... We found out that there's this paint that's available, right. and yeah. we're just going to probably put it on our website. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so start painting with this and add a lot more trees, and you're good to go. So no. what other, you know, going back to the Four Seasons and why we're here yes. today. So um, 
what other green green strategies didn't you incorporate into this particular um, this building? building. Mm -hmm. So we were talking in, uh, before about the historic portion of this project. So um, the majority of the common areas of the hotel is the historic structure. So Meaning every, the lobby, the lobby, the the, um, the restaurant, the bar, mm -hmm. um, the cabanas. Those uh, were all the original portions of the historic structure. And it was beautifully renovated and, and preserved, I should say, by um, a wonderful local architect, Richard Heisenbottle Architects. And um, Richard Meyer um, made, did this beautiful hotel in addition to it. Um, so in terms of sustainability, the historic being able to reuse that structure is very significant. There was not as much demolition needed, right? And you were able to really reuse, and that's uh, the, one of the beauties of sustainability. Reuse, recycle, repurpose. Exactly. I love it. Exactly. But you know, his, incorporating lead into historic structures is uh, probably a bit of a challenge, I would think. Um. Well, so in terms of the restoration efforts, you know, just making sure that all the materials selected have low VOCs, have not as much of an impact on the environment, looking at the, the overall construction waste, making sure that all the dem demolition was recycled properly, including throughout uh, construction. The new structure was predominantly what we were focusing on. Right. And um, making sure, for instance, uh, in this beautiful uh, room, the amount of daylight and the the need of, uh, you know, not so much need of the artificial lighting and... Um, yeah, using natural light. I mean, there's right. lots of windows that I can see and we're in the penthouse, so it's very posh yes. here. And um, we're surrounded by windows. Impact, yes. Obviously hurricane impact windows, very thick, I can tell. Yes. Um, but we are surrounded with a kind of all over view. We have a Miami view and then we have the beach Right. View. It's gorgeous. Here. Yeah. So this, everything is very efficiently done. So LED the, lighting. LED lighting. Mm -hmm. The windows has great um, solar performance. Um, the AC is, has been done. We commissioned the the mechanical, electrical, and plumbing systems and made sure that everything would run smoothly and operate well in all types of scenarios. And daylight in itself represents so much for sustainability. I mean, wellness, of you course. know, making sure that um, the occupants remain happy and healthy. Daylight has a lot to do with that, uh, not only just as a lighting source. So, um, yeah, the, these are all the types of things that we looked into to help achieve LEED Silver certification for the project. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for being with us. And we always end the podcast with um, a question that we ask every the same question to everybody, and it's what does resilience mean to you? Oh, resilience means a lot to me on so many different levels: um, adaptability, um, adjustment, um, longevity, making sure that a building can last as long as possible. And on a personal note, uh, I have two young daughters under the age of five, and making sure that our world can be adaptable and resilient for them as well. And, you know, Miami didn't look this way, you know, 30, 50 years, 100 years ago. Right. And it's going to look different 30, and it'll look different. 50, 100 years right. from now. So, right. you know, but I think everyone, you know, there's everybody wants to still be in paradise. So right. I am not a uh, 
I'm not a doom and gloomer. And yes. everybody that knows me and, and listens to this podcast knows that. Um, but thank you so much. And I think we're going to do a part yes, two you. because I'm very interested. And the reason why we're here at the Four Seasons, the Surf Club, is to celebrate and actually provide the, the hotel with their LEED certification. It's a very special ceremony um, with the USGBC, the U.S. Green Building Council. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm going to talk to one of your colleagues next about your work with the USGBC um, and, and, and the commissioning aspects of, of LEED. Definitely. Thanks. Thank you. So we're here with part two of SQL Systems at the Four Seasons, the Surf Club for their lead designation. And um, I have, I'm, I'm pleased to have with me Carolina Whitfield and, and Samantha Varela. Ladies, you uh, make a part of a great team here at SQL Systems, and you worked hand in hand with the Four Seasons Hotel um, to get them to their Silver Lead certification. And you also serve on the USGBC uh, board of South Florida board, right? Correct. And talk to me about that relationship and that partnership that you've developed and how that has helped your business and your clients. Well, the SQL and the USGBC have been partners for a long time, being that um, the services that we provide are mostly, or for a while, have been lead-oriented. So the USGBC and themselves as a chapter has been an integral part, part of, the, uh, of the whole process. And uh, with that comes participation in events, uh, volunteering, um, also getting the word out as to what, the, what LEAD is, what the USGBC does, and serving the community also, uh, looking into schools and businesses also. And, and on that note, so what does the GBC, USGBC do primarily? Um, so and US, what is LEAD? That's, let, walk, walk us through that, that, okay. that whole process. So USGBC is US Green Building Council. Mm -hmm. um, and they're kind of like the governing authority without being <laughs> part of the government. Um, for a lot of different rating systems, they have green schools, they have, um, you know, Green Apple Day of Service, they have a ton of things. Um, and then primarily LEAD is what they're most known for, which is leadership in energy and environmental design. Um, and that's their green building rating system that's more based on energy efficiency and stuff. And as the versions, um, as they update more versions, it's more human-centered, performance-centered. Um, so that's kind of where they're trying to... To grow so that green building is not really a thing it's just buildings that's how buildings should well, be built and buildings should be energy efficient anyway because yeah. they're like and we we were talking earlier about the fact that buildings tend to be the largest emitters of co2 mm -hmm. um, and you know more urban areas obviously the more urban the more buildings the more co2 so we do need to look at building differently mm -hmm. and retrofitting so as if somebody wants to join USGBC, what is the benefit of joining, um, and and who? What is the type of member that you seek? Okay, so I would say a lot of people that join are passion driven and stuff, and either they are already working in some kind of green building or facilities, um, or they're interested in it. So as we call those like emerging professionals, and they're not necessarily just young people, as everyone thinks. <laughs> <laughs> so students, you know, kind of coming out of school and realizing, you know, that we do have to do something for the climate, and and you know, even and architects and buildings have so, like you said, they have so much impact, especially on climate change. Um, so I mean, I guess our members would be architects, owners, a lot of um, developers too. 
Um, not so and many developers. Designers uh, should definitely. Be. Well, yeah, developers should probably be. should be, should be. Um, yeah. because they are their properties are the ones that are going out seeking this certification yeah. because I, they do see the return on investment. Right, their yeah. clients are asking for more energy efficient. Exactly. Structures. So I think there are more realtors. Um, and brokers in that sense. And I think they're starting to pick up on that. And then I'm assuming maybe kind of slowly after is maybe the developers will pick up as well and say, you know, see the benefit in this because they yeah. find it more of the selling point. So so when we talk about resilience and when I say resilience, it's also related to obviously sea level rise and, and, and the impacts of climate. What do you see the USGBC leading? Um, what are they are they leading in that direction? Are they evolving in that direction? Obviously, we're sitting in Miami Beach, you know, probably one of the ground zeros of, of sea level rise. And I, I understand that this particular structure, you incorporate a lot of the elements and the building codes that the city, it's a very progressive city, have incorporated. But do you, is overall nationally, do you see um, USGBC going in, in that direction and implementing credits for that? Yeah, well, the, ca the USGBC is catching on. I will say, and in fact, today we had a uh, we were in a presentation with the CEO of the USGBC, who happens to be visiting Florida, and uh, because there are so many regional, uh, you know, parts of this resiliency and adaptation, you know, South Florida is different to New York, it is different to California. Right. So having a centralized, they're looking into having. In op more open-minded I think they have for a while mm -hmm. and they have for a long yeah they have for a long time but I think the role of the USGBC for the local chapters um it's growing it is growing and um, in terms of education they are promoting more uh, events and uh, and spreading the word participating uh, collaborating with organizations and uh, programs like the B uh, BE 305 mm -hmm. Uh, which is energy efficiency, but is also trying to catch up onto the Miami-Dade County and Miami, the city of Miami, city of Miami Beach, uh, the resiliency and adaptation efforts of that. So just unifying along with other organizations, the ULI and also AIA Great. all together. Great. And I think you should probably, um, and I'll invite you to uh, join the, the Chambers of Commerce um, because mm -hmm. they also... Um, at least regionally here in South Florida, um, from Palm Beach to Miami, Dade County, we have resilience committees at every chamber. And so that's exciting. And that's, uh, we have a lot of these conversations all the time about, you know, green building and, you know, getting, you know, resiliency in general. But um, back to the Four Seasons, because I can't take my eyes off this view. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> and it's a beautiful day yes. <laughs> on Miami Beach. Um, talk to me about your favorite aspect of working on this project. For myself, I can't because I am part of SQL. My role is one, to be the director of business development, and two, I'm in charge of uh, those buildings that we consider existing buildings and we pursue that type of certification and therefore um, operations oriented. And the building, this um, manager, the Four Seasons, is pursuing. Um, additional operational and sustainability efforts and we are helping them with that so for me that has been excited exciting because you see a day-to-day -day what efforts they're doing and how they reach not, not just the employees but the guests and the residents because this also acts as a residence right that's, that's certainly very exciting to see them going the extra step because you, sometimes you see people 
um, getting their LEED certification and that's it. But they're actually incorporating other green sustainability elements and campaigns into, you know, the, the actual livability of this building. Exactly. And um, I think because a hotel or a tourist-oriented development, it just not touch people, residents not only see it, but people from all over the world come to that place. And people from all over the world will take the word out right. and spread it and right. say and uh, promote in themselves the efforts of that particular building and of the region. So therefore, in themselves, they're being a marketing tool. So that also helps to the, the region and all of the efforts and to catch on. So more facilities will hear the word and say, well, I want to do that as well. Great. And Samantha, do you have anything to add? <laughs> um, I mean, you kind of covered most of it, but um, so I'm a project manager. I worked on this project more on the construction end. Okay. So that's, and, in, that's interesting in itself. And we did, we did t yeah. talk a little bit about cement being, um, you know, a very large carbon emitter. And also some interesting paints that were used. I was going to say, we haven't talked about the paints. Yeah, we talked <laughs> about the paints, <laughs> but, you know, we're very excited. We want to get, we want to get uh, more information on that and put it on our website. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think LEED is kind of going in the way, especially in this project and stuff. A lot of it is just best practice. So, eventually, this won't be a green building. Like, these will just be buildings. Right. You know. Right. So. And, you know... Ideally, and, and we're starting to see that large buildings in particular in certain cities are mandating by mm -hmm. ordinance that they need to seek a certain level of LEED certification. Um, are there other, and you know, obviously we talked a lot about USGBC and LEED, but there are, you know, other ways that buildings can, maybe they don't go LEED, but they can incorporate, or there are other, um, maybe not certifications, mandated certifications, but they can add green into their buildings yeah from I a mean, project manager's perspective yeah so you've probably seen it where some buildings don't want to go through lead because you know it's voluntary it's optional it's mm -hmm. not a, it's not mandatory some sometimes it is some sometimes places, it's not yeah. but you can still yeah so make some a, places, a building green without going through lead exactly so some places it's now kind of implemented like bigger corporations kind of like like four seasons and stuff like that or other municipalities they kind of um implement lead uh, sustainable design guidelines okay so if there's ever any new construction that's kind of what they follow because they see the value in it um, but even you know just looking at the ROI of you know systems and the building and how long it's gonna last realistically because as much as we want buildings to last forever they yeah. really don't and you know I guess the point that you don't you should not be having those buildings well, obviously, I mean, everything ages and every, you know, we have yeah. aging infrastructure all kind all exactly. over the place. And Miami's a weird market because, you know, right when it's like under construction, the developers already sold it to somebody else. So they're not really looking at ROI. It's very hard to prove. <laughs> so know, it's, right? it's more kind of people driven on mm -hmm. that end. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. No and problem. I wanted to ask you, um, we ask everybody the same thing. Uh, mm -hmm. What does resilience mean to you? Hmm. Resilience to me means future proofing because you don't want to prepare for the last thing that happened you want to like prepare for like just in case that wasn't the worst let's let's really prepare for like even worse that's great that's kind of okay we I... always get something very interesting responses yeah. <laughs> future proofing i like that yeah. i like that well thanks so much for joining no us no problem thank you for having me <laughs>
Thank you for joining us on this episode of Resilient Forward. You can listen to other podcasts at resilientforward.com and follow us on Twitter at ResilientFWD. If you're interested in sponsoring our show or know someone who we should feature, please contact us. Remember, our environment is our economy.